This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If it must be so now, if it must be so now, which is the title of this message, if it must be so now, this statement is not from a man who says, I said my son shall not go and I can't change what I said. That would have been wrong for Jacob to take that position. But when Jacob says, if it must be so now, we see now in Jacob an example for us to follow. Here's a sweet spirit of reasonableness. Here's a willingness to change the mind, to change the purpose. And notice what the spirit-controlled Israel says. In verse 11, and their father Israel said unto them, if it must be so now, and then in verse 13, take also your brother, that's repentance. And in verse 14, and God Almighty give you mercy. So now we see the spirit controlled Israel. He accepts the will of God. He repents. He reverses his course. And then he goes on into a orientation of prayer, asking God for mercy. In contrast, to the previous chapter where it was the stomping of the foot, and no, I will not let Benjamin go. But that was the person named Jacob. That was Jacob speaking. He represents the lower nature that wants his way. But here is the person named Israel. And Israel is speaking who represents the spirit-controlled nature that accepts and yields to God's will and then trusts God for a good outcome to take care of Benjamin. It's the same person. It's the same person. He's got two names, Jacob and Israel. It's the same person. He's got two natures. In chapter 42, it was the flesh-controlled lower nature named Jacob that spoke. In chapter 43, it's the spirit-controlled nature named Israel that's speaking. It's the same person. It's just a question of who is in the driver's seat. That's the only question. It's just a question of who is in control of that person and that, that, that determines where his words are coming from. Was this Jacob speaking or Israel speaking? 
The same is true of us. We're one person. But just like Jacob, we have two natures. We have a Jacob lower nature. We have an Israel higher nature. And this up and down and seesaw and back and forth tug of war between our two natures, which are called in the New Testament, the law of the mind and the law of sin, it's frustrating. And this frustrating is expressed in Romans 7.15. In Romans 7.15, you can see the seesaw back and forth tug of war where it says in Romans 7.15, for that which I do, I allow not. And that what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. I then do that which I would not. I consent to the law, which is good. Now, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I would not, that I do. Now, if I do what I would not, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God. That's the one nature. After the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin. That's the other nature which is in my members. So Jacob and Israel are at war with each other inside the same person. That's why Paul says, that's a bad situation. That's a wretched man to have a war going on between two natures. Reminds me of uh, the old chief who had these two dogs, and one was a white dog and one was a black dog, and they were always fighting with each other. And so the man came up to him, and he says, chief, which one wins? (laughs) The white dog or the black dog? And the chief says, the one that I say sick him to. That's the one who does. So anyway, this is the situation. Now, God knows that we've got this internal struggle. He knows that, and so he says, he, God says to us, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, in Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the laws of the, of the flesh. In other words, say to the Spirit, sick him. All right. Now, this was the case with Jacob. He had to face what, what, looked, what at that moment looked inevitable. He had to be flexible, and he was, and he said, okay, if it must be so now. And we come to those places where we face the inevitable in our lives. And we have to be flexible, and we have to say, if it must be so now. I talked to a mother in the Midwest this last week, and a um, dear person, believer, she told me how her daughter had a lump in the back of her knee, and the doctor said, it's cancer. It's cancer, young girl. And of course, the first thing that happens is you say, no, I don't believe it. Okay, a a miracle is going to come. I know a miracle is going to come. I want a miracle. A miracle is going to come. But then, you know, you get to the point where you have to say, as Jacob did, if it must be so now, okay. And so it's an attitude. If it must be so now, it's a yielding. It's It's an attitude of yielding to God. There was a time in Paul's life, in Acts chapter 21, when he was with Christians in Caesarea, and Paul Paul had determined to go to Jerusalem. But a prophet came and said that if Paul goes up to Jerusalem, he will be arrested and turned over to the Gentiles. 
And so the Christians did not want Paul to go to Jerusalem. And here's what happened in Acts 21.12, Acts 21.12. And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to break, to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not only to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, the will of the Lord be done. The Christians had begged Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. And they tried everything they could to try to persuade him. Don't go, don't go. But the beauty of this, and where we see the same Jacob yielding here, is in Acts 21.14, when he would not be persuaded, and then we ceased, saying, the will of the Lord be done. When he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, the will of the Lord be done. That's the Israel spirit of Genesis 43.11. If it must be so now, 43.11. That's what God wants to see in us, a willingness to accept what we don't want, and then to say, the will of the Lord be done. Now, Jacob, he's changed his mind. He's going to allow Benjamin now to go down to Egypt. He doesn't want to, but if it must be so now. And in the importance of two words, notice them in verse 11, when he says, do this. If it must be so now, do this. So Jacob has a plan, and now he's focusing on what needs to be done next, which is prepare this present here. He says, you know, it's the present working on. He says, you know, the, you know, he's thinking about it. I want something for his cooking, so I'm going to send him spices. I want something for him to munch on when he's sitting there in his easy chair, so I'll send him some nuts and some almonds. He may be a sore, the man down there from doing all his work. I'll send him some balm. He's thinking of all the nice things. If it was me, I would have said some seized chocolates would be nice, but, yeah. but the point is, is that in verse 11, if it must be so now, that's to accept the fact. The second step for us to do is what it says in verse 11, do this. In other words, put together a plan of the steps to follow, but concentrate on just doing what needs to be done next. And don't let your mind jump way ahead of like, what will happen to me in the future? What will I do in the future? Just concentrate on getting to the next, the next step to done. I have to make an appointment with the doctor, I have to get this test done, but all through it have the prayer of, verse 14, verse 14, and God Almighty give you mercy. So Jacob's got this concrete plan. He's engaging himself. He says in verse 11, if it must be so now, do this, take of the best fruits in the land of present. And you can, and you can see the specific list that Jacob has thrown himself into to making it present. And this keeps Jacob from being consumed, worrying about Benjamin. He's focused on making sure, make, can't you just see him there looking at which one of the fruits? Hand pick, no, that's no good. Don't send him that. It's, it's half rotted. Take that off. And you can see him looking at each piece of the fruit. Make sure there's no rotten parts. Just the most beautiful fruits there. And as I said, see, the man's going to be a sore muscle. Give him some balm. Need a little honey. I put on the fruit, give him honey, spices, and so forth. And you can see Jacob here, he's gotten all energized. He's excited about making up this present for the man, and he's visualizing in his mind how the man's, oh, the man's going to be delighted when he's this present that he's making up for him. 
And all this is keeping him from worrying at the moment about what's going to happen to Benjamin. He's taken all his energy to worry about Benjamin, and he's focused all his energy into making this present that's going to bring his children back home to him safely. Jacob had to keep from going crazy, worrying about Benjamin. And so in these verses, and so Jacob has come up with this formula to keep him from going crazy. And Jacob is showing us how not to go crazy when we are hit broadside with a terrible problem by following this simple formula that Jacob is showing us here, which is number one, accept the inevitable as the will of God with the spirit of, verse 11, if it must be so now. Number two, come up with a plan of verse 11 as the do this plan and defeat worry with involvement in the first step of the plan, which in this case was to make this present. And number three, see God as almighty and adopt a spirit of prayer for God's mercy, which is in verse 14, which is, and God almighty give you mercy. So three words, accept, plan, pray. Accept, plan, pray. That's what he seemed to This is the formula that Jacob is showing us in these verses for how not to go crazy from worrying about some acute problem that just hits us. And we see what Jacob's strategy was. It was to make the present for the man. He's thinking. Jacob is thinking. He's thinking Proverbs 18.16. Proverbs 18.16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Proverbs 19.6. Proverbs 19.6. Many will entreat the favor of the prince, and every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. Every man is a friend to him that giveth gifts. Money can't buy me love, but money can buy me friendship. That's what he's thinking there. Now, this is not the first time that Jacob has used a gift. Can you think of a time in the past when Jacob used a gift to win over an enemy? It's Esau, right? Esau, that's right. In Genesis 32, 13, Genesis 32, 13. There, Jacob was about to be killed by his brother, and it says he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand, a present for Esau's brother, 200 she-goats, 200 does, and 20 he-goats, and 200 ewes, and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 kine, 10 bulls, 20 she-asses, and 10 foals, 200 she-goats, I have goats, that's a lot of goats. I could tell you. <laughs> That's 20 she-goats. That's a lot of goats. And, and, and then he, the 200 she-goats. And then he's got 20 he-goats. Those are billy goats. Those are billy goats. I can tell you from experience. You don't want more than 20 billy goats. That's plenty. One billy goat's enough for 200, but okay, never mind. So he does this. But anyways, what I'm trying to point out here, that's a big gift. That's a huge gift. That's about the number of goats that this company has right now. And that's a big gift. But Esau was a big problem. He was a big enemy. Now, Jacob instructs his sons back in Genesis 43.12. Genesis, the next verse, 43.12, verse 12. He says, take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. Peradventure, it was an oversight. He tells his sons, take down now double money. Make sure you got enough money. Take the old money, should have been left there the first time, takes a lot of more new money, was supposed to buy with. He says, maybe it was an oversight. You know, those Egyptians, they're not so reliable with all the food going in left and right. Maybe they just forgot the money. Maybe it was 
Bubba. <laughs> it's, it's Bubba's fault. He was supposed to take the money, and Bubba just put the money back in the sacks. Everybody's got a Bubba. Anyway, but he's trying to put a good spin on what happened. Jacob's trying to put a good spin on it, and he just hopes that it was just an oversight, and he's trying to think, it's not a setup to put my sons in prison. Because if it is, there's no international court of appeals here. Now, just imagine the state of mind that Jacob is in when he says in verse 14, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your old other brother. And Benjamin, if I bereave to my children, I am bereaved. He is so attached to Benjamin that he can't even remember the name of the other brother. His name was Simeon, by the way. He just, he's just the other brother. <laughs> anyway, he is so attached. But Jacob has not been passive, and he has thrown himself into making the special gift for the man, and he wonders, will my gift be enough to pacify the man? I've done all that I can do now, but maybe it's not enough. I need more help. I need help. And so he reaches, he reaches into the arsenal of the names of God, and he pulls out a very powerful name for God, very special. And he says the name of God that's been associated with miraculous help, it's God Almighty, El Shaddai. And God first, God was the first one to use this name, a very special name, when he identified himself to Abraham, as Eric said today in Genesis 15, when God said, I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. A couple chapters later, Jacob was in real trouble in Genesis 17.1, Genesis 17.1, and it says, when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. He said, I am God almighty. That was a very distressful time in Abraham's life because Abraham had just fought and had taken the captives and the spoil from five kings he took all their booty, he took the prisoners, and he gave the booty to a very, very wicked king of Sodom, king of Sodom. But Abraham did that to free his nephew Lot. But Abraham didn't want to live by the sword. And so at that time, Abraham feared for his own protection. You know, he was thinking, what if they regroup and say, well, get that guy who did that to us. And in that situation, in his fear, God came to him and said, I am God Almighty. God was telling Abraham, I am God Almighty. It was like asking Abraham the question which he did ask already. Sorry, he is going to ask him in Genesis 18, 14. Genesis 18, 14. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Tell me, Abraham, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Because if there is, I'd like to know what it is. So give me a list. <laughs> Ever since God told Abraham, I am the God I am God Almighty. That name for God became very special for the family, very special, so that Abraham's son, which was uh, Isaac, he used that name to bless Jacob when he, when he was sending him away in Genesis 28.3, Genesis 28.3, when he said, and God Almighty, bless thee, make thee fruitful, multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people. That was another very distressful time when Isaac realized my son Jacob has just stolen the birthright from my son Esau, who happens to be an expert hunter. That's not good. So in the face of that trouble, Isaac used that name to remind himself 
In Genesis 18, 18, 14, is there anything too hard for the Lord? God Almighty, bless thee. And then there was a time when Jacob was afraid of what the Canaanites were going to do to him because his sons came up with the brilliant idea to murder all the Shechemites because of one man um, who forced their sister. And so it says in Genesis 34.30, Genesis 34.30, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, who were the ringleaders, ye have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites, the Perizzites, I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. So there Jacob is again, he's worrying. How am I going to not be attacked, not be destroyed? I am so afraid. And God stepped in, in Genesis 35, 11, Genesis 35, 11, and God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. The company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. So Jacob knew this name for God was used when a person was in really big trouble. This is very specific, you know, the God Almighty. It's not the OMG, you know, oh my God. This is the name in the arsenal of God's name that's only used when you're in big trouble. And Jacob is in big trouble. He felt he's in big trouble, and he calls on God's name as this. He's also maybe thinking about the name that that God gave to his grandfather Abraham on that hill in Mount Moriah when when Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. God will provide, as it is said. So we see here the names of God are very meaningful. They're very specific for different needs of life. Now, just in case we get the impression that, oh, now Jacob is rock solid. He has no struggles. In verse 14, it shows us he's still struggling when he says, if I am bereaved, I'm bereaved. To include this as a final statement of Jacob, before the brothers leave for Egypt, it shows how Jacob still struggles with sadness. He still struggles with depression, and that's why the Christian life is described as a fight. The Christian life is a fight. Ephesians 6.12 describes a fight when it says in Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That's a fight. That's what we're involved in. So what we've seen here from Jacob is how to respond to tragic news like you have cancer. Three simple steps. Step one, if it must be so now, accept it. Step two, do this. Just do what needs to be done now. Don't let your mind jump ahead. Step three, God Almighty give you mercy. Think and meditate on the almightiness of God, how much he cares for us and his mercy. And think about how as Jacob sent Judah into danger, so God the Father sent the Lord Jesus into danger to bring us home safe to God. Safe to God. And think about how as Judah made himself personally responsible for Benjamin, so the Lord made himself personally responsible to bring us safely home to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for being so patient with us and for not uh, throwing up your arms and saying, I've had it. Thank you, Lord, for the patience that we see you in the lives of, of Jacob here. And we pray, Lord, that we will be flexible also in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.